The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Habsons Minded. It's me, Patrick Bexel, and for once, I'm not the one doing the grapes because I'm here with Hadi Kalakesh of Catching the Torch fame, who will give us the uh, start of a two-way podcast where we're going to talk about the um, NCAA and the WHL and OHL and QMH, uh, QMJHL, God. And everyone else on, on in the system, more or less, uh, that is on Hadi's side of the pond. Thank you for joining me, Hadi. It's uh, I, I wouldn't have been doing being able to do this without you. Of course, thanks for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. And uh, I just heard you passed a hundred days. Congratulations! Thanks a lot for that. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm gonna put you on the spot because we're recording this like seven hours <laughs> before. Uh, Rocket would start their uh, playoff in, at home and uh, mm-hmm. what do you predict of tonight's game and who is the best one to watch really? Uh, I think the, I think the Rockets going to have a great game. I think um, Kaden Primo showed that he can pull it up, pull it off in the playoffs, especially for um, in the NCAA when he was playing there. So I think Primo's going to have a great game. Um, look for Jesse Udenen to put up a great performance. Uh, he always steps it up. He's one of my favorite players on the rocket and just in the half system in general. Um, and Alex Belzil has been pretty impressive as of late. Uh, him and Rafael Harvey Pinard have, have been really the two guys that um, drive the bus in terms of intensity on the rocket. So those are the three guys I'd look up, uh, I'd look for the most uh, in that game for sure. And two of my guys will obviously be there as well when we speak about Emil Heinemann and uh, Matthias Norlander. Interesting to see both of yep. them making their debut. Uh, on this side of, of New Year's uh, for the Rocket, because Matthias obviously played a little bit uh, in fall. Uh, but we are here to talk about other prospects, and uh, uh, we, we are supposed to grade the CHL prospects, really. And, I mean, like, let's start with one of my favorites, and, and uh, you, you can take it away from there. But let's start with Jan Mishak and, and how has his season been, and where has he improved, and what grade are you going to give him at the end? So... Mishak has had a bit of an underwhelming season. He actually has um, decreased his production uh, compared to his draft year. In his draft year, he had, I think, 25 points in 22 games. That's dropped uh, in terms of point-per-game rate to uh, 64 points in 61 games. So um, you usually look for a player two years after their draft year performance actually increase their production. But I think a year in Laval, uh, split between Laval and uh, Czech League, um, actually put a stint in his production. Um, sometimes that will happen where a player will reach the pro league a bit too soon and it'll influence the way that they, they play moving forward. But I think Nishak's defensive game has really taken off. It was already a strength, um, but he sort of built this game around those solid defensive foundations. He's gotten better at face-offs. 
Um, he, um, you know, gets in, in passing lanes very well off the puck, um, covers his man very well. The way he forechecks is really good too. Um, I just think there's a couple things in terms of his positioning uh, and his skating on the puck, um, which sort of muddles things a bit. Uh, he'll sometimes um, skate himself into trouble, skate into uh, a check rather than um, sort of reach the middle, try to cut, you know, across a player's hands and reach dangerous areas. So that's one thing I've looked at to improve about Mishak's game. But in general, he's a very good defensive prospect who can uh, sort of influence the game very well when he's off the puck. Um, but there's some things uh, about his on puck game that made me sort of bump him down a couple of grades. I gave him a B minus. Um, just because he had, he was playing in a shutdown role and did it pretty well on the on the Bulldogs. So um, that's something to look for in his end. I just want to see a bit more offensively from him before I grade him any higher. But B minus is pretty respectable for what he gave this season. I mean, a lot of people see Heinemann maybe as a or, or has heard that Heinemann might be a new Lekkonen. I don't see that, but Mishak might actually mm -hmm. be another Lekkonen. Yeah, I definitely agree. He has a similar style. Um, his intensity is really good. He's got a decent shot and a good defensive game. And those are the three sort of foundations that Lekin has built this game around. And I think something similar for, for Mishak would be, uh, would be respectable. Um, I think the fact that he can play at center and take face-offs makes him, a, you know, gives him a bit of an edge on Lekin in terms of potential. Um, but, you know, if someone's comparing you to Lekin in terms of defensive, you know, abilities, that's an excellent thing. I think Lekin was really the best defensive forward on the Habs um, before his trade. And he's continued that trend with um, the Avalanche, and he's even improved his offensive side. So um, that's a really good comparison to give out, and it's, it's not a knock on Mishak at all. That's a good comparison. I think also uh, when I wrote the draft profile of Mishak, or, or when he was drafted, I uh, some of my Czech friends pointed out that he might not be have the creativity to run a power play, and I think that has really, you know, shone through this year that that. What would you say? Creativity, uh, fantasy, or, or imagination to to do the unexpected. He's he's not really there, and I think that. And, and we know that Trevor Timmons said before the the season and before he was fired that Mishak might actually stay on the wing uh, if he makes it up to to the NHL. And so so the the uh, comparison again with Lekkonen might actually work. But as you say as well, Hadi, uh, it's it's. He has an edge because he has played center and, and he's learning uh, over summers. Usually he practices a little bit with uh, Tomas Plikanec of the Montreal Canadiens fame, or should we say Toronto Maple Leaf fame? Uh, <laughs> but, but the I Leafs mean, legend. Yeah, the Leafs legend. Uh, now, obviously, we all love uh, uh, Plikanec and, and it's great to see him, especially, you know, tweeting after he's woken up and watched a, a Canadiens game and. Uh, I, I, I love the fact that he's so invested in the team still and, you know, helping one of the prospects in, in, in the system develop is, is also credit to, to Thomas in that regard. Um, one of the guys that, that has stood out a little bit and, and there's been a little bit more of a talker around the town, at least in the eyes on the price chat, is, is uh, uh, Shekai. And, and he has had a reasonably good season, hasn't he? He absolutely has. I gave him a B-plus on this season. Um, he's exploded offensively. He went from 17 points in 51 games in 2019-2020 um, to uh, 30... Uh, let me just pull this up. Uh, yeah, he had 17 points in 33 games uh, with uh, Kitchener. And then... Um, no, sorry. He had... Um, 
17 points in 18 games with Kitchener and then added another 17 points in 33 games. So he's doubled his point production um, this season. And physically, defensively, he's improved a lot. He's shown me a, a side of him that I didn't see before. He, he's really poised with the puck, which is something that in early viewings, looking back at his games from 2019-20 when he was first signed, I didn't really see that in his game. He seemed like someone who wanted to get rid of the puck as soon as possible, play pucks up the ice, delegate to his uh, D partner for breakup, for breakouts, and just really focus on his defensive side. But now that I watch him this year with the confidence he has after signing um, and the experience he has, um, he finds little pockets of space to, to slip passes into for his teammates to have easy breakouts. Um, he's really good at retrieving pucks with his back to the play. That's, I think that's where he shines the brightest. Um, and obviously, he is extremely physical to a fault sometimes. He'll draw penalties that he shouldn't. Um, he'll get into fights that he shouldn't. He'll taunt opponents and get suspended. That's something he'll need to reel in a bit. Um, but in general, we've got a prospect in the system that um, will probably you know, see some NHL time eventually. I just don't think he'll be any higher than a, than a fifth or sixth defenseman. But in terms of a depth role, a physical guy who can play on the PK and and uh, do a great job of shutting down opposing bottom six units. Um, that's, I think, what we can expect from Jack Eye at this point. Um, but we'll know a bit more once he uh, joins, uh, once he joins either the Laval Rockets or the uh, 12 Via Lions. Um, that's when we're going to see how his game translates a bit better to the pro level. But I think with his frame, with his um, habits on the puck and off the puck, um, he's a pretty safe bet to make the NHL at some point. It just might be a bit of a lot. Yeah, and uh, you, you, as you mentioned, uh, I've seen some of the clips where he sort of loses the patient and, and uh, loses his head and, and he goes after someone. And I mean, obviously, if you're going to succeed in that fifth, sixth role on, on, on an NHL team, you can't take stupid penalties. And, and I think that is, and we, know, and we know fighting is on the way out in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. So you can't really have that going on either because you will get called and if you get the instigator for, for a power, it, it's a power play to the opposition. And I mean, like, he's still raw. He's still a talent. And, and as you say, the interesting thing will be his transition into the pro game. Mm -hmm. 100%. And one thing I mentioned in the article was that um, because of how physical he plays and how punishing he makes his side of the ice, even when he's not on the ice, you can see his opponents hesitate to go head first into the, into the offensive zone. Um, because... Most of the time, you don't have the time to evaluate who's on the ice at any time. And when Jack is on the ice, you can't go head first into his zone, especially on his side of the ice. He will punish you. So um, it's interesting to see a prospect who can influence the, um, he can dictate what happens on the ice even from the bench. That's something I find interesting about. From one uh, big physical guy to another big physical guy, Logan Mayo. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. A little bit so, of a disappointing season, partly obviously because it was cut short because what everyone knows and, and uh, what happened in Sweden, but secondly, also injuries. Yeah, exactly. That's one thing I noticed is, you know, first he played 12 games this season. I caught 10 of them. Um, I feel pretty comfortable grading him based on those. I gave him a C plus mainly because of all the time he, he lost. Um, it was pretty obvious that he had, he was jumping the gun a lot, especially his first three or four games. He was shooting the puck every chance he got. He wasn't really thinking things out when he got the puck. He was just trying to get points on the board. Um, and especially, it seemed like at times he sort of forgot how to manage his own zone. Um, as you mentioned, he's a pretty big, pretty physical guy, but there were times where um, he would take himself out of the play and would leave two guys behind him completely free. 
stuff like that. Um, but, you know, these are things that you usually see uh, sort of rounded out of a prospects game as they grow. And, you know, Mayu is still uh, pretty young. He was drafted last season. Um, to me, he's a, you know, he's a bit more of a long-term project. There's a lot of questions I have about his, um, his usage of his tools. Um, so I, I mentioned a lot, you know, the tools versus the toolkit. Um, Mayu is a great example of that. Um, his tools in isolation, you know, he skates well, he's got a, he's got a tremendously powerful shot. Um, he's a good stick handler and he's very physical. All those are tools that he's good at, but putting it all together and, and processing the game in a way that he can use those tools at the right moment, that's where uh, I think uh, Mayu's greatest fault is. And that's usually one of the toughest things to teach in the prospect. Uh, I spoke so with, that's, yes, sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I spoke no, with the... Uh, um, some of the guys over in Skellefteå where he played in, in Göta and uh, they were saying obviously he was very very raw the talent was there but he was very raw and he needs a lot of polishing and I'm, I'm from what I've heard of them it will take time to develop him further like it, he is not maybe not a first round pick in, in that sense he will need a lot of development and it will take time and uh, especially with what happened and, and the loss of the season, more or less, uh, it will take even more time. Yeah, exactly. And I think right now Mayu's playing a sort of OHL adapted brand of hockey. He's playing a way that works at the level that he is. But if he needs, you know, especially as, as mature as he is physically, um, there needs to, to be sort of an adaptive pressure on him to make sure that he learns the right thing. So for me, I think the best thing for him would be um, to get loaned to a pro league, sort of similarly to how to what happened with the hockey icon, like uh, when it was uh, when it was loaned there during the the, the COVID uh, shutdown, um, that was something that would probably help him because pro hockey usually involves a lot more pressure, a lot more experience from your opponents, and um, it'll force him to make decisions that he wouldn't in the OHL. Right now, he can get away with shooting the puck as soon as he gets it. He can get away with. Um, staring at his pass option for three, four seconds before releasing the puck um, and not offer much misdirection. But pros are able to read the game very well. They have a lot of experience in playing this game for a long time to sort of know what to expect uh, when a player makes it expected. So for me, um, getting him in a pro league, uh, getting him you know, playing against guys with experience would be something that would very much uh, help, uh, help his potential. It sounds a little bit like uh, uh, Kostenko in Russia he thinks the game slow, as his natural team coach said uh, when I spoke with, uh, with him. Um, and, and a little bit like that with, with my own, a long-term prospect. Uh, so, so, you know, that first round monker might not be fair in many ways. Uh, we're speaking with Hadi Kalakesh from Habs Eyes on the Price, from uh, uh, Dobler Prospects as well. And, and be sure to, we, we're going to have him on for quite a bit in the upcoming month month and a half to draft. So, uh, yeah, we'll hear what he says about um, the Shane Wright down the line. But right now, we're going to talk about the CHL prospects. And we have one Russian, actually, uh, and that is Danny Sobolev. Mm -hmm. So, Danny Sobolev, uh, I give him a C grade. Honestly, his season has been uh, pretty overwhelming, especially on the offensive side. You know, he, um, he came to the OHL with the intent of working on his offensive side and developing that um, in the OHL due to mainly, you know, the way that uh, Russian uh, coaches tend to underplay their, their younger players. And um, when they play them, they play them in defensive situations because that's where they want their focus to be. He approaches offense um, isn't really translatable. Right now, he 
holds the blue line and the first sign that there's trouble, he tracks back as fast as he can to be the last line of defense. He's still sort of used to uh, approaching the game on, in a defensive mindset. Um, the, the safe approach led him to sort of finish fourth on the Spitfires and, and plus minus, you know, he, he finished with a plus 25, which is very respectable, but he's not really experimenting. He's not, um, you know, going deep into the offensive zone, getting involved on that side. I don't really see how he would sort of develop the tools, you know, like puck skills, um, you know, misdirection, vision, all the things that work at the NHL level in terms of offense. So I still see him as a defensive minded defenseman. He's probably going to make his bread and butter on that side, but there's a lot of runway ahead of him. There's a lot of stuff he can learn to sort of bring his team up to an, a decent level offensively. He is the uh, higher ranked prospect if you compare it to Kostenko, obviously, that I watched a little bit this year. I'm going to keep the best guys for last. So I'm going to jump over to Xavier Simoneau um, and William Trudeau. We're going to do them as a pair because obviously they play for the same team and the QM. JHL. Why do you have the J in the middle? It's like, yeah, I get it. It's just like it doesn't work up my tongue. Uh, but but yeah, the, the two Charlottetown Islanders. What do you have to say? Yeah. So first, I'm a huge, huge fan of Xavier Simono. I've been banging on this drum since 2019, since his draft year. This kid is fantastic. Um, if you look, if you ask anyone in the QMJHL, you know they've done this experiment before, where they'd ask QMJHL prospects, you know, questions about the players they face and Anytime someone asks who's the toughest player to face um, in the QMJHL, a lot of them will mention Xavi Simone. And he's five foot seven. So that's an excellent sign. If you have a prospect that's that small and that um, tough to face, he's doing something right. And watching his game, um, first his playmaking is top notch. He's in the he's in the top end of playmakers in the QMJHL. Um, he, the way he um, manipulates opponents, the way that he pops up in different areas. Um, the way he finds seams, creates seams, it's all very polished. On top of that, he's probably the most intense player I've watched in the QMJHL. There's no one that puts pressure as regularly and as intensely as he does. Um, and he has a physical side that's really underrated. He can throw a reverse hit and throw a six foot one, six foot two player on their butt, like there's without a problem. So to me, Simono's a prospect that's severely underrated because he was drafted as a twice overager only last season. Um, but at five foot seven, even if you're 21, you still have a physical disadvantage on your opponents most of the time. And the fact that he's able to flourish uh, in those situations and get 86 points in 48 games, to me, that's an excellent sign. Um, he should earn a contract at the end of his playoff run. He could even join Laval if the Islanders get kicked out early. So that would be something that would be interested, interesting for him. Um, but I think this is a prospect that um, in two or three years could become a fan favorite for the Habs. He's got that style of play that's really infectious. He's got leadership. Um, he reminds me a lot of Brendan Gallagher, but a Brendan Gallagher that's more focused on playmaking than shooting. Because um, Gallagher's more, known as more of a goal scorer. But Simono's playmaking touch is, is superior to Gallagher's, but his shooting is a bit lower. So I think this is a player that, you know, with enough time could become a fan favorite in the tree. And I mean, like, in, in a way... We talk about someone who was drafted 191st in the draft as an overager as well, yeah. a twice overager, right? And and mm -hmm. that is the kind of swing you want someone to take. It is a hit and miss, a hit or miss. Either you 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 win very big because it turns out to be the next Henrik Lundqvist or or uh, someone else along those lines, 
or you miss out, but it's a seventh round pick. So no one really is going to be, you know, super sixth or seventh round pick. And, and no one is really going to be angry at that. It didn't work out. Of course, we want every prospect to work out, but you have higher expectations, the higher they get. Exactly. And um, shout out to Yannick Saint-Pierre, who was hired by uh, Montreal as a video scout. This pick has him written all over it. Um, what, I used to watch his videos. That's sort of what got me into scouting to start with. Uh, and knowing what he likes, knowing what he favors in prospects, Simonos, I'm pretty sure was his decision. Um, there's no problem in drafting an overager if they have the tools required to make it. It's all about translatability in that, in that section of the draft, in the sixth, seventh round. You go for a player that has a couple things to work on or already has a near complete game, um, and you work from there. And the Habs have been very good at that. We've had Jake Evans, Caden Primo, um, a couple more like that. And especially in 2021, the trio of uh, Xavier Simonou, Joshua Roy, um, and Riley Kidney, uh, those three guys were picks that were very, you know, first from the QMJHL, um, you know, local products, but also products that have very specific things that they're good at and that you can build around and make, you know, stand out. And that's different from what the Habs used to do, which is draft a player that's pretty much good everywhere and try to round out their game and make them as complete as possible. Um, what make what works in the NHL is being good at two or three things that are that are special, and bringing that out of a prospect really sort of bolsters their NHL potential. I, I forgot if you gave Simono an A or if you just meant to give him an A. Oh. Yeah, I gave him an A. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and if we speak about uh, obviously Justin's uh, kid brother, uh, William Trudeau. So yeah, William Trudeau, uh, I gave him a B. Um, it's just because defensively, he was a bit of a mixed bag. There were moments where um, he sort of faltered, especially in his zone. Defending backwards is still a very big problem for him. Um, but 44 points in 68 games. Um, he was in the top four of, um, of QMJHL defenders for primary assists at even strength. Um, his playmaking is really good. Uh, he's a very good transitional prospect. He has this very sort of efficient habit, which is He'll get the puck skated out of his zone. And then once he's, you know, approaching the blue line, he'll look to make a pass to a forward so that they carry it up. Um, that's a very efficient pattern to favor as a, as a breakout defenseman. Um, so that's the thing with uh, Trudeau is he's not the, the biggest, he's not the fastest, he's not the, the most skilled, but he's extremely efficient and he's very intelligent. He uses his processing very well. He opens up lanes. Um, his skating patterns are very um, purposeful. There's no sort of wasted time or, or wasted puck touches with him. What he does, he does well. Um, and I think you can build around processing just as well as you can build around skating, build around size or build around skill. Um, processing is a very important tool to have. So for me, Trudeau is, you know, he's probably a bottom four defender, you know, fourth, you know third or fourth defenseman at best. Um, but most likely he'll be that uh, third pair defenseman, a bit like Brett Kulak, who sort of does everything well and is very good at defending the rush and preventing preventing rushes before they happen. Um, but once he's in his zone, it still might get you know a bit troubling for him. But one thing I really like about Trudeau is he'll have his best defensive moments in the third period of most games, which usually means that he's very good at reading and adapting to systems, um, which is an extra layer of a prospect's game that's a bit underrated. Also, sounds like he has a little bit more stamina than everyone else, right? Oh yeah, for sure. He can he can carry it out uh, for long stretches. He's really good in overtime too when he does play. He's a he's the type of prospect that can really carry um, 
his load very well. He can play 20 plus minutes without a problem. I just don't think he's playing as much with Charlottetown right now, so it doesn't show as much. But I'd be interested in seeing what he could do with 25, 26, 27 minutes a minute. Uh, going to someone you already mentioned, Riley Kidney. Um, I'm not even going to, with the Titans, I'm just going to go with the Titans because I'm going to pronounce that wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes I don't know if it's French or English. I, I'm going to screw it up either way or mess it up either way. Uh, but yeah, um, kidney, obviously not a kidney failure this year, but rather a success story. No, exactly. A, a successful transplant. So he's been he's been tremendous. He, I gave him an A this season. He is one of only seven UMJHLers to eclipse the 100-point mark. Um, he had an even split, 30 goals, 70 assists, and 66 games. He led his team by 23 points. So he's really the one sort of carrying the load offensively uh, and making most of the plays. And when he's not there, the games where he was either injured or you know something else would happen where he'd have to miss a game, um, it was very obvious how much of a positive influence he was on the Titan. Um, so the main thing with uh, Kidney is how good he is at playmaking. I, I think he's easily in the top three or top five best playmakers in the QMJHL. Um, his shot has improved a lot. Um, he, you know, there are some, still some issues when he releases a puck in stride. It's not perfect. There's the weight transfers a bit off, so his, his pucks are a bit fluttery when he's skating and shooting. Um, but from a standstill, he's got a solid shot. Uh, and that's improved a lot because in his draft year, I saw it really as a weakness. Um, and one thing I noticed is that his expected goals were higher than his actual goals. So what that usually means is that he's getting in better positions um, to get to shoot the puck. So the areas he's shooting from are better than the outcome of it. Um, that usually points to an issue with finishing as well, which is what I mentioned with the skating and stride. Um, but he's getting into good areas, and especially he's improved his physical game to get more puck touches. He's in the top 1% of QMJHLers for puck touches per game. Um, so those are little things that make me think that first kidney's on the upswing. He's improving a lot of areas in his game. Uh, but also he's still focusing on what makes him great, which is his playing. Okay, we're here with Hadi Kalakesh. Uh, again, we find him at Hadi K underscore scouting. Be sure to follow him. He's also part of, of the double prospect crew and obviously eyes on the prize crew because we're trying to stay in-house as much as we can. Uh, and you have, have some big shoes to fill, Adi, you know. Uh, losing uh, David San Louis is, is uh, tough, but you have filled them with uh, galore, really. Um, we, have so two, <laughs> we have two prospects to go. Both of them are in the running to be part of the Montreal Canadiens next year. I'm sure of one of them because I think Caden Gooley will be part of the Montreal Canadiens next year. Do you agree with that? 100%. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Billy's ready. Uh, I gave him an A for this season. Uh, by the way, he's been excellent in the playoffs. Really tremendous. His game has taken off. Um, he's getting involved offensively a lot more. He's manning the power play. Um, but to focus really on his regular season, um, he reached a point-per-game mark with, uh, with uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings after getting traded and was already close to it with Prince Albert. Um, with Prince Albert, he was pretty much single-handedly carrying the team, especially in the defensive zone. He was blocking shots, um, you know, getting into passing lanes, ensuring as much as possible that his team got the puck. But as soon as he got off the ice, he sort of would sort of crumble for Prince Albert. But now that he's well-surrounded in uh, Edmonton, he's allowing himself to sort of explore that offensive side a lot further. Um, and it shows a lot in this game. He's doing this thing that he never did before, which is, He'll get the puck at the blue line and start skating down the boards to 
get involved in the lower half of the offensive zone. Sometimes they'll end up behind the goal line, um, making plays from there. So that's something that I mentioned before, you know, in terms of experimentation. That's one little thing that he'll do that'll bolster his chances at improving his offensive side. Um, so for me, he went from a guaranteed second pair defender to a potential top pair defender just from doing that alone because he's exploring a side of his game that he never did before. So now he has a chance to, to, to sort of add tools to his toolkit. Um, so that's the main thing with Gooley. We all know how physical he can be, how polished his defensive game is. Those are things that were obvious from day one, from the moment he was drafted. But even then, he's improved that too. Um, so there's a lot of promising things about Gooley. I think he's ready for the NHL. Um, I think starting him off on a third pair and working him up the lineup would be a very good idea for next season. But at the same time, I wouldn't be against the idea of perhaps tanking because of how solid the 2023 NHL draft is going to be. So, um, you know, bringing a prospect into that uh, into that environment, I'm not sure. But at the same time, he's so good that I can't sort of justify not having him in the NHL next season. We all know how close he was to get the full season in NHL this year. So it's obviously uh-huh. going to be one of the easiest decisions for, for the coaching team to put him on. Uh, for for longer stretches uh with the with the big club uh for sure. you you i mean i'm sad guys i'm not going to bring in matt to this because he is in a meeting otherwise he would be here <laughs> to spo- to speak if only if it was for this guy we <laughs> obviously talk about joshua Roy. uh fantastic yeah. season i'm sure you give it him an a plus even but but plus. absolutely <laughs> It's amazing. It's someone we didn't. I mean, like we expected him to do uh, to develop, but not maybe into this powerhouse that he is t- today. Hundred percent. And what's fun with was if you look at the stats, you know, throughout the QMJHL, there are exactly two prospects that exceeded 110 points. Um, so there's William Zifol who had 116. He's got uh, he's six foot three and 205 pounds. So he's got an advantage that uh, Wad doesn't possess in terms of you know size and being able to make space for himself was six foot uh, 180 190 pounds something like that and he scored 119 points, 51 goals and 68 assists and watching him with Sherbrooke this year um he's not the biggest he's not the fastest but he is the, the best smartest player he's, he's straight up the best yeah he's the smartest player on the ice every time he steps on um the things he tries I don't see a lot of people trying. The way that he moves off the puck to find pockets of space, not a lot of people do that, and especially not an 18-year-old. He's going to turn 19 in August. He's still 18 right now. Like this, this kid is hes something else, and I think he's already learned everything he has to learn at the GMJHL level. At the very worst, loan him out you know, to the SHL, have him play some pro hockey, uh, develop some new habits. But I think keeping him in the QMJHL, all it's going to do is sort of stall his development because he's not going to be learning anything new. And Roy is a very absorbent player. That's one thing I noticed this year is he went from last year where he was struggling in an environment he didn't know too well, St. John. He's a francophone going out to St. John, New Brunswick, um, playing the whole season there, uh, not really knowing anyone. It's, it's, it's something that's clearly hard on a 17-year-old. But now that he's in Sherbrooke, now that he's... Um, surrounded by players that he gels well with, like Julien Artil, Xavier Parent. Um, these guys have gelled very well with him, and he's very good at bringing out the best of them as well. Like Xavier Parent has had a career season, um, thanks to Roy, because Roy is really carrying that one. So to me, no doubt about it, uh, Roy is smart and skilled enough to be an NHLer next season. 
It's just a matter of seeing if that's necessarily the best thing for him in terms of his development. I think the best thing for him would be to play overseas in a pro league for one season and then come to the NHL um, as a 19-year-old next season. But um, You mean a little bit like this guy named Morris Sider? Yeah, something like him. Exactly. I think that would be that would be a great path to follow because Sider learned a lot in the SHL. He developed a lot. Uh, in, in and, and you know, Rugley is coached by a Canadian guy. And, you know, it's pretty close to me. Wouldn't be against it. They also have an opening <laughs> on forward after what happened earlier this week. So, so yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, Rugley would be a great spot for a while. They're really good at, at bringing up the best in their players. I saw it with Marco Casper this season. As the season progressed, he just got better and better. And I think what would be and you, you mean future match. Montreal Canadian prospect Marco Casper, right? <laughs> Hopefully, fingers, fingers crossed for sure. He will be around that. He will go around that Calgary Flames pick, I would assume. So oh, he it might be, be a possibility, one. but but because he's falling a little bit, because obviously his SHL numbers are a bit you know, skewed because he's playing with men rather than, you know, progressing through the juniors in, as 100%. other players do. Uh, but going back to Rua, going back to Rua, though, it's, it's um, can he really, uh, you, you mentioned it, but the progression he needs to take is into a pro league. And this is where the struggle is because obvi- I, I completely understand the, the, uh, Uh, the Canadian system that they want to keep the juniors in junior because otherwise a lot of them will go straight to to the AHL. But here is a problem where you need a guy to go to the to the AHL really and stay in Canada, where the better option might actually be to go abroad. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is right now, Roy would not be eligible next season to play in the AHL. So it's either he gets loaned out uh, overseas and plays uh, in, in either the SHL or the Liga. Um, or the KHL, something like that, or um, he goes back to the queue, or he plays in the NHL. But the AHL is out of uh, the question for him because uh, players that are under 20 before um, before the season starts um, and and are you know CHL prospects are not allowed to play in that league. So in that sense, it's really you know for me, it's overseas or back to the queue or with the with the Habs. And between those three, I'd rather see him play in the SHL than. Uh, go back down or play in the NHL on a team that doesn't necessarily have exactly the 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 incentive to first play in a lot of minutes and second to sort of win games and create a winning environment. Um, so I think yeah, the SHL would be the best option for him at this point. Does he have a uh, French passport so he can uh, join the NLA on 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 kind of that way? Because there will obviously be an influx of former. Uh, SHL and Liga players due to a certain situation in Eastern Europe um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it will limit the the possibilities for some players to to be able to come overseas and develop but I, I, I would like I understand the Canadian situation and, and trying to keep their prospects around but, but the situation is sometimes hindering a prospect like which is speaking about Joshua Rawa it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to the NHL and, and stays around there. And, you know, I don't know what happens after he's turned 20 because I'm not, you know, we should have Andrew Sadonowski here for this. But if if he can, like a little bit like Matthias Norlander this year, that they, after the 1st of December, if he's still on an NHL roster, he can go to the AHL. Something like that, it would make sense. But yeah, it's right. it's uh, it's tough to, to, to 
knock out those first month, uh, first two months maybe in 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 a new city, not playing very much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we saw that with Norlander this year. It, it sucked his heart out for a little bit, and it took him a while to recover mm-hmm. when he came back to Sweden. Um, yeah. Um, we have been here with Hadi Kalakesh on uh, Hadi K underscore scouting. Follow him on Twitter. Be sure to to read his articles. Thank you, Hadi. You've been excellent to have here. Um, and we're looking forward to have you on quite soon again. We'll talk about all the Swedish prospects for the drafts. We'll talk about some of the other guys as well, but mostly the Swedish because I'm here. Uh, but but uh, it's it's really interesting. And we'll have you on for for the NCAA and uh, um, USHL as well, and maybe some of the uh, Rocket players as well for for some sort of grading uh, coming up next week. Um, Be sure to follow us, subscribe, leave us comments in order for us to improve our podcasting and our coverage of the Habs. And um, everyone just enjoy the game tonight because uh, it's Rocket at home. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.